Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is the podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Paul Broadwick, author of the book, Cancer Mentality, The Cure for Cancer is in the Mind, Heal Your Attitudes and Beliefs. Cancer Mentality is Paul's dance with cancer woven through cutting-edge mind-body connection science and metaphysical approaches to understand how it came into his life and how it can leave. Presenting his experience in story form, Paul shares the latest science and mind-based causes that can be easily applied by the reader, allowing them to create their own prognosis. So, Paul, I want to welcome you to the Books on Air podcast. Thank you so much, Sloan. Thank you. Well, let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit, a little bit about yourself and what write, what led you to write your book, Cancer Mentality. Okay. Um, gosh, I won't go right back to the background of my whole life, but uh, the book came about because I'd been a bit of a spiritual seeker, I suppose, most of my adult life, and suddenly found well, I was I was living what I thought was a very healthy lifestyle, very active, very eating well, doing all the right things, even thinking positively, actually. And then when the something hit the fan and I had a diagnosis of a three-inch tumour and I needed to be operated upon quite quite soon after, I just had to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, and I took copious notes of the things that I was studying and that grew into this book. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can answer much more long, uh, much better than that, but um, that's in essence what happened. And my family does have, or my one of my siblings has a, a history of cancer and um, the medical industry points very much to statistics. And yet what I discovered in all of this research and what I sort of already knew but didn't put very well into practice was that we don't have to accept that statistical diagnosis yeah yeah that's my take on anything health related as well is that all these things that experts tell you or they um uh they i don't know they prescribe to me it feels like a story to for someone and then people automatically believe the story such as what you're talking about with statistics right so if somebody tells you something and then you're expected to believe it, which I had a friend who passed away earlier this year of cancer. And I remember her telling me that the doctor said, well, I only have, you know, six months to live. And I told Mm -hmm. her, so what? That doctor is not God, right? He doesn't know. He's not just because someone tells you that doesn't mean that is true. Right. And I watched her over that six months slowly fade away. And so those kinds of um, things are to me, to me, it feels like it should be illegal for doctors to be able to say that. Ah. (laughs) It's almost word for word what I wrote in my book. Absolutely. And what we're talking about now is placebo nocebo. Um, Placebo basically says it can happen if we believe it and yeah. belief doesn't mean a very active belief, even a subliminal subconscious belief. Nocebo is telling us that bad is going to happen. And yeah. that's what doctors are doing with uh, such a diagnosis, such a prognosis. 
And we don't have to, yeah, we can believe a diagnosis, but we don't need to choose or believe the prognosis. And that's that's the essence of my book is that I discovered how to actually choose my prognosis and anybody can do that. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. So you had the diagnosis and you, mm-hmm. as you said, you were living a healthy lifestyle, you know, thinking mm-hmm. positively, these things that um, would lead you to believe that you know, a diagnosis, a diagnosis like this isn't going to happen. And so you got this. And so how did that, let's talk about how that affected you, maybe your mentality first, if you were already thinking Mm. positively and you were already Mm -hmm. doing things, you know, in, in a positive way, did you start doing things differently? Did you start, what changed for you after, after already being in that positive place? Well, what changed was that because I knew and was prepared to accept and be open to the idea that I had at least contributed to this condition, if not created it in its entirety, then I was responsible. And if I had been doing all the right things in inverted commas for years prior, then what had gone wrong? Mm -hmm. And I don't believe, didn't believe even then that things happen to us or, um, you know, there's a source of badness or whatever, that that cancer, for example, is an infection or a problem given to us or even that the genetic argument that Charles Darwin promoted 150 or something years ago is that we get, we're dealt a hand at birth and that unfortunately we just have to live that out. Sorry, yeah. but that's just how it is you know it sucks then you die and in the epigenetics has proven for 30 odd years now that we are at choice in every moment of our day so to answer your question what i did was i realized by slowing my life down that i had actually been just doing presenting lip service to all of these wonderful metaphysical Mm -hmm. new age spiritual ideas. And in fact, it's a lovely notion that we create our own reality. But in essence, I wasn't doing that work. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't quieting my mind. I wasn't finding peace in my life. I was striving, working, chasing. And as I write in great depth in the book, I realised that I was living in fear because Mm. a family member of mine, well, a few family members, and everybody's touched by cancer, you know, heart attacks, all sorts of dramatic illness. We're all, we all know somebody or many somebodies. And so I realised that I just had to stop, rethink, reinvent myself and actually start doing this work. And I found it to be an enormous pleasure, not hard work at all. Yeah. It's an enormous pleasure. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's interesting that you, you said before your diagnosis that you were living healthy and happy, but then after the diagnosis, mm. it's, you realized, well, actually I wasn't doing what yeah. I thought I was doing. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. so you redefined a lot of that. It sounds like you redefined. redefined a lot of, yeah. Yeah. And in, in that, so, and I'm this, this whole thing about our thoughts and, and how we create our reality. Um, I, I just love this topic, but when it comes to our health, so how do you, so if you, if you, okay, you've had this, you thought you were living one way, you got the diagnosis, got a wake up call, um, mm. realized maybe I wasn't living the way I thought I, I really wanted to, w- mm. what, what, 
what did I guess it, for people who are listening who maybe are in the same boat, what did you, where did you start or how did you start to look at redefine your life? I guess, how did you start to do that? Okay. So it was, uh, easy for me because I'd lost everything. My business failed and it was quite shocking. And, um, you know, I was kind of living in grief, I suppose, for the, um, old ideas that I had had. I was chasing success, mm-hmm. maybe fame, you know, the glory of being a business owner and being successful and wealthy and setting myself up financially. So I was in the situation where I just had to be quiet. I had to be still, um, partly because I wasn't well. <laughs> and yeah. a, a very well-qualified doctor had said, I need to see you in my surgery, prepped for surgery next Wednesday, more or less. And and so it was it was taking stock of everything and it was really very quick for me to piece together old ideas from years prior and to suddenly realise then that, as I said, I wasn't doing that work. Then the research, as I healed, as my body re- um, repaired, I suppose, from the surgery, I was obviously off work. I took time out and I really was searching for um, wholesome answers to this because I asked the medical industry, I asked the surgeon, I asked the oncologist, I asked the dietitian, and they they had nothing for lifestyle change for me. They had nothing to help me prevent this. And, And no disrespect to the medical industry, their trauma treatment is fantastic. I possibly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. But so many great teachers out there are explaining how thoughts and emotions are now proven by science to become interactive with our physiology in a good way and in a bad way. So Mm -hmm. I was, I now know, living in a state of chronic negative emotion. Yeah. Now we could call that stress, and I do write about this in the book. So if anything below, anything more negative than frustration, say, I am negatively affecting my physiology. Mm-hmm. These are known. These are known as diseases of of inflammation, and we have reams, lists of conditions that people um, present to the doctors with. Then, if I'm able to switch that in any moment, instead of being annoyed or frustrated or angry or any negative emotion, whether it's momentary or chronically, if I can switch that to just a tiny few degrees in another direction. I'm allowing my body to repair mm-hmm. and it's natural. Our, all of our bodies and our cells, each individual cell, it wants to live and grow. And when we get out of the way with our negative self-talk and our negative beliefs and our hatred mm-hmm. and our dislike of this and that and judgment and criticism of all the things, then um, our body can naturally do what it naturally does. We yeah. could live much longer than we do. So it, to answer your question, I got out of the way. I realised that I could put into practice a few of the things that I already knew. I just looked at more detail of how to actually do that. And this book came about because I couldn't see anybody else translating these wonderful teachers and all of this information about how science is showing that our thoughts become physiological physiological changes 
So that's what I wanted to translate. Yeah. And it's just, this is such a big topic. I, I mean, I could literally talk to you for hours about this. <laughs> Me <but> too. <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have that that much time. But when you what what's your favorite part that you wrote about in your book? Something that sticks out to you that you really enjoyed explaining mm. or talking about, or maybe that struck you the most along the way on your journey? Mm, can I pick two? Sure. Um, <laughs> the, honestly, we all know about placebo because... Mm-hmm. All adults, I would say, understand that we we have placebos in drug trials, but we don't get it. We really don't use it, and yeah. and yet we're living it every day. So, it, as I said earlier, placebo, nocebo, we're interacting with that every day. If one person can have a miracle cure through taking a sugar pill in a drug trial, that's saying that everything that they need is either in their mind or there's access, we have access to it in the ethers somewhere, mm-hmm. or it's in the chemical concoction of our own bodies, right? The second favourite thing is honestly this discussion about genetics versus epigenetics and the idea that we've just bought the idea that Charles Darwin promoted so beautifully that it's survival of the fittest and that we're dealt the hand we're dealt. No, we're not, in fact. And a few others like Lamarck, the Frenchman, were offering a very similar but counter-argument, not counter, but a different argument to genetic selection. And and now Bruce Lipton and others have proven that epigenetics is massively changing the way we look at that. So, so my interest there and the reason it's a favourite is that it's so relatable in everybody's life every day. Again, we don't notice that, but it took me to be sat on my bum with a serious diagnosis and having to have an operation for a tumour to say, okay, then I can choose a different response in each moment. I don't need a certain condition to think joyfully or to be at peace. I I can do that unconditionally. Yes, and that understanding that we're not dealt the hand, that's just the way it is, there's so much that's so empowering to realize to have that gives us our power back. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which there's so many things that it's easy for us to feel like, well, that's taking a piece of me. That's taking a piece of me, you know, so much, but that's actually not true. We're we're the ones that have our own power. We just have to take the stand and take our own power back. And we've all bought the idea that is not deliberately fed to us, but it's a convenient idea that, that the only way we get, well, if we're sick, is to go to a doctor because they've got right. years and years of practice and study and yeah. and science, medical science is awesome. But it's not the truth. It, right. We can all live beautiful, happy, healthy lives. We just don't choose to. Yes. And yeah. I think that like the example of my friend who bought into what her doctor was saying and eventually passed away. Um, I, it was very hard for me to watch that because I'm like, I would mm. say to her, but you don't have to. And she'd tell me, so yeah. this, well, I feel great today. I'm like, then ride that out. Right. Don't, yes, yes. don't listen to what they're telling you. Ride that good yeah. feeling out. Right. You know, I try, I, I tried, but mm. um, it's very, very hard. And, yeah. and all of this comes down to an individual choice. Sloan. Yes. It's, and it wasn't uh, my, I, it wasn't my job to put no. that on her. She had to, no, you know, right. accept that. Right. And so, and that's yeah. part of, the, of that empowerment. Like we just talked about everybody listening. It's your job. It's your job to take your own power back for, about your own yeah. health and about your life in general, but specifically, yeah. And if you're listening and trying to do what I did with my friend as well, it, it's not, it wasn't my job. It's no one else's job to try to push that on someone. But I think that, that what you're talking about with that 
in what we just mentioned about that empowerment, um, sometimes we just have to be reminded of that, right? Sometimes we just have to be reminded of our own power and we don't have to be stuck in, in, in what anyone tells us about anything. Not at all. No, no. And and that's another reason for writing this book. You know, um, I go through so many different ways of looking at illness and wellness and it, and it's it follows my story as you said right at the beginning it yeah. weaves my story through all of this metaphysical spiritual and scientific ideas because not everybody's going to get the the same pop or wow from any particular um take on, on these things and i didn't but those that i really did get um a great takeaway from they're still with me today five years on yeah. And, yeah. you know, managed to very easily absorb them into a new lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you want people to know about maybe about the mentality around cancer? And and I know we've been talking about how we can be in charge of our own health, but what is the thing that you feel like maybe people don't know, don't accept or forget? What, what is there one thing that stands out to you throughout your, like a mm-hmm. theme throughout your book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason it's called cancer mentality is because there is a mentality and attitude behind everything that we do, everything. The reasons I talk the way I talk to you, the, you know, the reason I buy the things I buy, the clothes, the food, the, the everything, everything has a feeling, an attitude, a belief, an idea behind it. So takeaways I want readers to get include that they have their own power and that they yeah. they can change their direction in their lives but maybe more than that that if we can accept that our thoughts and words have power then we can start to see all around us such pervasive ideas like fights and battles and fear and that you know uh, in Australia there are stickers that say asterisk uck cancer Mm-hmm. And it just says this is an enemy and we need to destroy it. We need to yeah. kill it. But in fact, my book, for me, my experience of a tumour was a growth. It was a growth within my body, but it's a capital G growth for my life, you know. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound all angelic or whatever about it, but it's such an awesome experience to to realise that I don't need to be combative about the way I see the world. And it's it, nothing, our neighbours, our, you know, people in traffic, nothing needs to be argued against, fought against, conflicted. We, we can just free ourselves from all of it and, and not end up with cancer. Yeah. Well, I mean... I, when I'm, as I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking about my own life and the ways that I'm, I need to maybe <laughs> follow some of my own advice and, and lighten up about some things. And when we, those words and the things that we tell ourselves, because often I don't think we realize the words that we say to ourselves, right? Because they're playing yeah. on, in the background, they're playing, oh, yeah. they've been playing for years and maybe they're not even yeah. your voice. They're somebody else's voice that's been, yep. you know, going along and those, those things matter. And we we don't think they do, but they matter mm. and they pile up it's over so, time. Right. They're deeply, deeply entrenched. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good and, and good and bad. Good and bad. Yes, that's true. There are there are good things too, yes. Mm. Um, mm. but the the negative if 
years of doing interviews seem to be the what pile on for people the most. They do. And that, Bad news travels more quickly than good. Yeah, it does. And that piling on over time wears you down. And I think if we can pay attention to what we're thinking and saying to ourselves, um, you know, that's, that's like, for me, at least has been half the battle to be able to change that and be able to actually say to myself, wait, stop. Mm. No, I, I don't want to believe that. I, I choose not to believe mm. that anymore. Right. There's another mm-hmm. way you can take back your own power by stopping those mm. thoughts, choosing to stop sure. thinking those terrible thoughts. Yeah. Did you notice that you just said battle? <laughs> no. <laughs> You said it's half the battle. It's yeah. just a saying. It's yeah. just a saying, but we live yeah. in this idea among many ideas that life is a struggle. Yeah. And that, you know, and only the successful fought, or the like strongest or the fittest. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. intrinsic. Yeah. And these things mm. are so, when, and when somebody points them out to you, like you just did for me, it's so, you, it's, it's, you, really start to dissect your every mm. aspect of your life, you know, and it becomes really mm. exhausting because the stuff is, is been there and it's, it's so small, but it's, you know, there's so much of it, but um, <laughs> that's how it's felt for me. I'm like, when I go through this, I'm like, Oh, wow. I'm really saying this to myself again, you know, but yeah, yeah. it matters. And it's, it matters to pay attention to those things for the very reasons of everything we've talked about today, about what you went through and how disease affects our body, but then also how, we have a choice in how, as I said at the beginning about allowing the the listener to create their own prognosis. I mean, if there's, mm-hmm. there's, that's like the most powerful thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you don't need to have a special room converted to meditation suite or, you know, you don't need to pay hundreds of dollars anywhere. It's innate in all of us. We have yeah. it already. Yeah. And yeah. may I say, May I say this analysis of the way we think, the way we talk, doesn't doesn't have to be hard work or scary. And it was initially for me too, but then it became a fun project. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to not be that Paul who was the doctors were saying we'll see you back within five years with more of this cancer. And oh, by the way, we can we can stop you getting bowel cancer because we can remove your bowel. What? Yeah, that's no, not I don't how think to eliminate so. cancer. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And so, uh, what I'm getting at is, I I wanted to be a new Paul, not that old Paul. Yeah. And it became a fun project, not a not a hard work, not 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 something that was to strive for, but to joyfully go through. It was. It, it has been fun. Yeah. And create that new version of yourself. I have this yeah. uh, this little cutout on my mirror, and it says, "Who do I want to be today?" Right. And that yes. reminded me of you saying, you know, being this new version of yourself. And yeah. um, Paul, this is, like I said, a fascinating topic. I love talking about this. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time today, but I want to thank you for joining us on the Books on Air podcast. And before we close out, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave with the listeners today? I think we've covered it all. But um, look, if if anyone's keen to at least see the pricey of my book, I do have a website, paulbroderick.com. The book's available on Amazon and uh, through Balboa Press and other places. And um, look, I just know that it touches everybody. This material just touches people every time I talk about it. So I'm excited to be part of anybody's, any individual's change. And I'm really appreciative of all the questions that you've asked me and the passion that you have for the topics (laughs) too, Sloan. So thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And I'll link to your website in the book in the show notes so the listeners can check that out. 
Thank so you. again, Paul, I want to thank you. It's an, been an amazing conversation. Well, much appreciated. Thanks, everyone, and uh, all the best to you all. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloane Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.